Hello, and welcome back to Allegedly Astrology. Each week, we'll be breaking down the astrology that happened during some of the biggest scandals and events in history. So Dana, as always, tell us what's today's topic. Today, we're talking about the terrorist attack on the World Trade Center in New York City, also known as September 11th or 9-11. And this year is especially poignant because it marks the 20th anniversary of September 11th. And, you know, it's... It's very hard to remember and watch back and think about, but it's an extremely important part of American history and history in general, honestly. So for anyone that may need a refresher, September 11th was a series of airline hijackings and suicide attacks that happened in 2001. It's the deadliest attack that's ever happened on American soil, and it not only resulted in the deaths of 3,000 American civilians and police officers, firefighters, you name it. But it really changed American society forever. And it is considered by some to be truly the defining event of our time. And because we realize this is a heavier, more emotional topic that many of us are old enough to remember firsthand, we're going to have breaks to talk about Lindsay Lohan facts, just so our souls don't get aborted during this episode. Yes, I think that will be key to our mental stability. <laughs> and while there are so many layers of this tragedy, we could literally do an entire season on this event. We're going to start with sort of how and more importantly, who masterminded this event. So we're keeping things a little bit more top line. But um, yeah, Sarah, let's let's start with how it began. The plot began with a man who would eventually become the well known to us and basically the face of terrorism to Americans. And his name, as we all remember, is Osama bin Laden. Osama bin Laden was the leader of Al Qaeda. And that's an Islamic extremist group that was based in Afghanistan. Yes. And it's worth noting that they actually had ties to um, bombing the U.S. before. They were linked to an attack that happened in the basement of the World Trade Center. Um, It was a bombing that happened in 1993. So this the 9-11 attacks were not their first rodeo. Yeah, it was like same shit, different decade. And that's because bin Laden was not a fan of the United States. He thought the U.S.'s bark was bigger than our bite. He was annoyed with our foreign policy and he didn't like we were supporting Israel or that we were in the Persian Gulf or like in general, our presence in the Middle East. So let's take a T.O. from his America hating and peep his birth chart. Osama bin Laden was born on March 10th, 1957 in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. Um, and he had a Pisces son and or and a Gemini or a Cancer moon. We don't know because we don't have his birth time. So we also don't know his rising. But something that's pretty interesting is that his Mercury and Venus were exactly conjunct in Pisces, co-present with his son. And Mercury is the mind. Venus tells us how we appeal to other people or like how we might exploit other people's desire. Um, In Pisces, this will be about appealing to like transcendence, which can include religion or just sort of like a higher belief. And I mean, he does sound like someone who had a lot of imagination. Um, And then this these planets and Pisces are ruled by Jupiter and his Jupiter is in Virgo. And something that's interesting is that Billy McFarland also has Jupiter in Virgo. So that two people you would never think would ever be in the same sentence for having something right. in common. True. And to remind you who Billy McFarland is, he was the 
and I, again, with the air quotes, but he was the mastermind behind Firefest. So <laughs> two, two masterminds. Maybe they have more in common than you think. Oh, my God. So this placement often indicates like analysis paralysis because Virgo is a sign of details and Jupiter is like a zoom out. So it's like a zoom in and a zoom out. Your zoom is broken. Um, Jupiter is the planet of beliefs, morals, and ideology. And Virgo is a sign of purification and perfection. Virgo is opposite Pisces. So this axis is like a major uh, theme in his chart. Um, the Virgo Pisces axis is about like integration and healing. And I think it's a great example of how uh, axis can like manifest in like a pretty perverted way. Like he his objective was about purification and achieving healing by, uh, you know, destruction. He also had Saturn in Sagittarius, which is also ruled by this Jupiter and Virgo placement. And Saturn is the planet of restriction and reverence and rules. And Sag- uh, Sagittarius is like... Kendall Jenner solving racism in that Pepsi commercial. Um, It's just like uh, it like historically coincides with moral panics, but then also kind of is like cute. And so it's just like this is kind of like someone thinking they're committing righteous acts, but like obviously it's extreme. It just affirms everything we already kind of thought. Uh, No one like thought he didn't believe all these things, but that kind of gives some background astrologically. So did he have a Pisces stellium? Yes. Nice. Oh, wow. That, like, makes sense. And it's all answering to that Virgo, uh, Jupiter. Normally when you say someone has a Pisces stellium, you don't say, nice. (laughs) (laughs) Sarah's like, nice, nice, nice. It's like, I knew Pisces were terrorists. (laughs) Not my choice of stellium, let me tell ya. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, obviously, like, we always, like, dog on a lot of Pisces here besides Dana, who's has a progressed moon in Pisces and now is, like, really becoming her true, like, woo self. Yeah. (laughs) so funny how i just love it now that i have it but i do think it's interesting that like a lot of people who are like change makers in certain ways like have a good deal of pisces in their chart like even rbg yeah well pisces have the magical power that maybe i'm a little jealous of of being able to pretend they're stupid right people can underestimate them and they are not stupid they're really often intelligent which we did underestimate him so yeah so Osama bin Laden meets this other dude who's been dreaming of crashing planes into shit for a while. And this guy, whose name is Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, is like, yo, I would love taking some of our guys and having them fly planes into a bunch of American buildings. And bin Laden is like, I love it. Let's fucking do this. In terms of um, how the 9-11 plot came to fruition, Al-Qaeda provided the people, the cash and the logistics, and they pretty much oversaw everything. But it was a truly global plan that had moving parts in a lot of different countries. You had some leaders in Germany doing a lot of underground rogue stuff. Hijackers were literally taking flight lessons in the U.S. And then there were recruitment of other operatives in the Middle East and beyond. So there was a lot of things happening in a lot of different places. Yeah, it was like a huge production. So this brings us to the day of the attacks. The hijackers get on four morning flights leaving from airports on the East Coast. And the hijackers fall into two groups. You have um, people that are pilots and they're the ones that are going to sort of take control of the plane. And then you have the other people that will be sort of like managing what's happening in the cabin of the airplane, acting as sort of like the muscle to hold people back. So they sort of had had two facets of, of their plan. So the hijackers take control of the plane. The first one, which was American Airlines Flight 11 from Boston. And at 8.46 a.m., the plane crashed into the North Tower of the World Trade Center. And now maybe this would be a good time for our first Lindsay Lohan fact. Okay, I have goosebumps. 
Uh, and something else that gives me goosebumps. Do you guys remember when Lindsay Lohan was on trial in 2010 at all? <laughs> Vaguely. <laughs> Vaguely, oh, really. right. Okay, I think about this a lot, probably once a week. <laughs> there is a picture of her on a trial that was actually between eclipses, um, between Cancer and Capricorn eclipses, um, that I would, would like to talk more about another day. But she has a piece of loose leaf paper that she's taking notes on. She has gorgeous handwriting, and she is... Taking notes on lined paper diagonally. <laughs> and I, for the life of me, don't understand it. Uh, I haven't really looked into it because there are some wormholes I just don't go down. You guys probably can tell that I have to keep something in control. Almost as disturbing as the terrorist attack. <laughs> yeah, so speaking of, Dana, let's let's get into this heavy chart for the first plane hitting the first tower. All right. 9-11-2001, a.m. in Manhattan. So this chart is absolutely chilling, especially because I know how it ends, right? And so when looking at an event chart, it's helpful to think of it like this. The first house is the person or the entity committing an action. The seventh house is the person or the entity receiving the action or like who the action is being committed unto. The 10th house is the action, and then the 4th house is the resolution, how it all pans out. It's like the end of the story. And so this chart has Mercury exactly conjunct the Ascendant in Libra, and Libra is a sign of balance and like relationship. It's ruled by Venus, which is in the 11th house of audiences, Congress, and humanity at large. So this is like the hijackers, right? They're doing something with justice for like all of the world or, you know, for like a much larger... Uh, on a larger scale. Aries is on the seventh house and there are no planets in the seventh. Um, Aries is a sign of the individual and it's like naivety because it's like just fresh out and of the womb. And it's ruled by Mars, um, which was in Capricorn in the fourth house. So that's the house where the event ends or resolves itself. And Mars is the planet of war. In Capricorn, it will relate to institutional power and infrastructures and tradition. So being in the fourth house Damn. is kind of the collapse of these things. Now let's do the 10th house. So Cancer's on the 10th, and this action is emotional then, right? Cancer is ruled by the moon, which is reactivity, and like it's just driven by emotion, and it's very changeable. It changes every few days. So it was ruled by the Gemini moon in the ninth house of religion, air travel, and ideology. Oh, Jesus. The wow. air travel one is crazy. Yeah, it's spooky. Ooh. And then in the 10th house, we have Jupiter also in the North Node. And Jupiter's morals in the North Node is an eclipse point that shows like the direction of a faded event um, and like where events are likely to maybe unfold in a way that that'll be like the North Node. It's like they're, where you're going. And it's always opposite the South Node, which can indicate endings. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, with this 10th house in Cancer, Cancer is such an emotional sign it's also you know its ruler is the moon so it's like your bot like actual body i have the the my moon here in this placement so i'm like well aware of how it like makes you uh very reactive based on emotions and not so much like rational thinking um so to me when i see this it kind of foreshadows what's to come in the american take on this like this action well, one, we all remember it. Like the legacy of this is like us remembering the all the people that died and kind of like the chaos of it. And it kind of charges us up after it happens 
to, you know, not to like foreshadow too much about what we're talking about, but like the U.S. response and like Americans kind of going along with it without asking that many questions because we were all just like amped up on the emotions of like, oh, you're going to come into our house and like fuck with our shit. Yeah, that's a really good point. And so the South Node was in Capricorn in the fourth house. And this shows, again, the results of the event, like I said earlier. Um, Mars is like also here and Capricorn is ruled by Saturn in Gemini, which is with the moon in the ninth house of ideology and indoctrination. So to sum this all up, the hijackers saw justice. That was their objective. Um, and that's the first house. And it shows America. Uh, they want to show like America, Aries, America on the seventh house that like you guys aren't the boss, which is Capricorn and Mars. So it's eclipsing that out with a south node and they want to rattle our systems, which is also Capricorn. And this act was done out of, like, righteousness, emotion, and reactivity stemming from beliefs, which are limited by Saturn and Gemini having uh, no periphery. Saturn and Gemini is afraid to talk. Interesting. Like, we, we were not going to talk. We're just going to show you. Yeah, and it's interesting that Libra and Gemini are so involved in it because they're the two signs of symmetry and the two Whoa. signs that are, like, equal. Yeah. So it's the towers. Something else to know about the, the towers um, and the World Trade Center is that over a quarter of a million people were there every single day. Yeah, can you imagine just like in around, in and around two buildings, basically? So this is a place for just having such a huge concentration of people. And so all these people that are in the area and everyone at first assumed when the first plane hit that this was some freak tragic accident. But then the second plane, United Airlines Flight 175, that was coming from Boston, hit the South Tower of the World Trade Center about 17 minutes later. So it was at this point, everyone kind of went from like, what is going on to the fact that it was like, holy shit, like this, what this isn't an accident. And by this point, many people were already watching the news coverage of the first plane hitting. And again, there was just like when you re-listen to news um, coverage of the event, people really were confused. There was not a lot of reports of what was going on. People just sort of thought this was like, a horrible freak accident. And because there was like live news footage available, people were there watching live when the second plane hit. And then this became sort of our generation's version of where were you when when Kennedy got shot? Or like, you know, we always ask people like, do you guys remember where you were like when this was happening? Meanwhile, in Washington, a third plane american airlines flight 77 hits the pentagon and at this point all u.s planes get grounded but there's one more plane still left in play and that's united airlines flight 93 which was coming from new jersey the plane ended up crashing in the pennsylvania countryside shanksville i think it was pennsylvania and allegedly what happened was that these planes passengers heard what was going on in new york um because of calls like made on the airplane and like where you know when you're thinking about it, like how did they call well like obviously we can't make phone calls but back in the day there was like a phone in the middle seat that cost a lot of money but it allowed you to like make calls from the airplane like some people also had cell phones. They were like getting mess. Some people were sometimes getting messages through. So it was like it was a weird time. But th- it, this was late enough in the morning where people were hearing sort of what was going on. They hear and they decide to try and take back the plane from the terrorists, which is very Nicolas Cage of them. And there are debates whether the plane was shot down um, because there were honestly orders at this point to take down any plane that's coming close to D.C. Because also, again, like yeah, they have to the planes were grounded. 
To, like, protect the White House, right? Yeah, so there's debate over if it was shot down, if they got the chance to take it over, or if it was intentionally crashed. I think since then, it's been, like, pretty proven that they did... Um, they it it was not shot down. There are people that said that like you could hear one of the plane people, like the actual like people on the plane that were like, "We're gonna go take this down." Like his the last thing someone heard him say like on the phone was just like, "Let's roll," which like I just love that. Like if you're gonna go out, go out on a wow. final just like line. They saved so many people's lives. So regardless, they played a role into helping. Flight 93 missed its target of the Capitol, yeah. which would have been a huge, that would have been huge. So what was going on in this flight's chart? Okay, so Pluto, the control freak, uh, is transiting Sagittarius, a sign of self-righteousness. And it was exactly conjunct America's Sagittarius ascendant this day, like to the degree. And so Pluto transits are, uh, they cause permanent changes and they are, people are afraid of them often. And I mean, most of the time they're, you just change, but like... So, like, this is an extremely literal uh, example of just, like, a terrorist attack being committed to a nation. And so the Ascendant is, like, the perceptions of the nation. It's, like, the national attitude. It's the people who decide that they're not going to, like, let a plane go into the capital. That's pretty much what that is. And then Neptune, the planet of obscurity and deception, is exactly conjunct America's south node in Aquarius in the third house. And Aquarius is a sign of populism and detachment and technology and restructuring. The South Node shows um, what needs to be like preserved. It's also showing what's kind of like being cut out and that's why it needs to be preserved. So in the third house, this like relates to communication, education and the school systems and the press, um, like any sort of thing that has to do with like printing. But also this is where America's moon is. So this is going to have to do with like kind of like the whole emotional landscape of the nation. Right. And then the Libra, Mercury, and Ascendant in the transit chart is exactly conjunct America's Saturn. And like when I say exactly, these are like to the degree. It's wild. Um, and so America has Saturn in Libra, which is a great placement. Um, it favors equality and like beneficial solutions that where each party wins and like good compromise. So, I mean, personally, I kind of think that exploited sort of like the belief that we had in America for equality. But anyway, um, so this is like America. It also was America's Jupiter return in Cancer um, in the eighth house. And Jupiter in Cancer, um, it's like emotional, but because it's emotional, it can think about morals in sort of like a, a 360 view because it's always used to changing, right? So it, it can kind of like see a lot of different sides and like it wants to help everyone. In the eighth house, it's banks and trading and like subsidized spending. And so Jupiter returns like essentially just lay out the framework for like the moral issues or like new beliefs that uh, an individual or a nation um, will ruminate about for like the next 12 years. I feel like the two things that you called out that I think are interesting is like one, the Jupiter return in the eighth house, just because I feel like, you know, looking back, this event was something that it's this event and the repercussions of it and the events that happened after it are like very much about money and like other people's money and like corporations money because like we'll learn coming up that like the short term impact was that a lot of the stock market was like really messed up after this for a bit. But like long term, like a lot of the at the motivations were like of going to certain places was based on like money and the money you could get from going there. And then I think like the Neptune being in the third house is like you're not really sure about what the real truth of what is going on, you know, like it, it's the American people. So it's almost like the American people are like 
deceived in a way by like what is going on. Yeah, it's like kind of like an exploitation of emotions based on like real events, but having having like no idea how to process it. Totally. So back in New York, things aren't going well, to say the least. Um, And the South Tower, which was the second building that was hit, collapses. And everyone is just like, what the actual fuck? Because these buildings were huge. And it's like the type of huge that you could never imagine it being taken down in any way. But that was not the case. And then 29 minutes after that, the North Tower also collapsed, filling the streets with smoke and debris. Also, another thing that they talked about, there could have been a lot more loss of lives because yes, of who was there. But New Yorkers just like were on their shit and they cleared out that whole area super fast. It was honestly, you know, and like we like we mentioned before, like 3000 Americans lost their lives that day. And that is a huge loss of life. And 400 of those people were firefighters who had gone in to try to rescue them from the towers. But like we said, over a quarter of a million people worked in that area and could have easily been affected. So, you know, it is pretty remarkable that that is the death toll that that we're talking about here. So you're probably wondering, this was a huge, very intense day in America. So where was the president? Yes, a brief history lesson. Our president at this time was George W. Bush. He was pretty new to the presidency. A lot of you might know him as the man Will Ferrell made fun of a lot or the man that once said this extraordinarily deep quote that says, families is where our nation finds hope, where wings take dream. It is not a typo. I read that verbatim. Um, He said that when he was campaigning in La Crosse, Wisconsin. And yet this is the man that we chose to lead us through the one of the worst times in American history. I don't know that we chose. I kind of think that that was set up. Yeah. I mean, we personally didn't choose it because we were 12, 11 or 12. So I voted for Gore in my school's mock election. (laughs) So on September 11th, Bush was actually in Florida reading to second graders. And this is on film. Like you could watch this occur. Oh, yeah. So his chief of staff interrupts him to kind of like whisper in his ear. And then he kind of comes back again and is like, oh, actually, another plane hit. Like, we got to get the fuck out of here. And the president then is on Air Force One the majority of the day because the Secret Service thought it would be the safest place for him because they I don't know. They didn't apparently didn't know what the fuck was going on. I have to talk about George Bush's face. Oh, thank you. I was imagining it. I I'm recently watching the new Netflix docuseries about 9-11, but his face, like, it was, like, the most, oh, fuck, I did not sign up for this shit face you've ever seen. When I was doing coke and cheerleading at Yale, I had no idea this would be what came of my life. (laughs) I listened to the last podcast episodes about this. Something they brought up is that, like, George Bush wasn't like a wartime president. Like he campaigned on like education for children. So like he was not. However, he was surrounded by a bunch of people who like jerked for war, like Dick Cheney. That's super interesting with the South Node in the third and transiting America's third house because it's like has to do with education, early childhood education. No child left behind. He he was probably the most ill-equipped, ill-equipped president for the types of tragedy that unfolded like between Hurricane Katrina 
9-11. Like, anyway, what's what's going on in his chart this day? Um, So George Bush was born on July 6, 1946 at 7.26 a.m. in New Haven, Connecticut. And so he is a sun in Cancer, a moon in Libra, and a Leo rising. And this is not a man who wants to be president. <laughs> the Leo rising is interesting to me because I feel like he's not a Leo rising. Like, he doesn't... He is, I think. Well, as one, I think he... Because I, I just imagine him cheerleading and literally like, <laughs> like he's a dope. And, and he's like a painter, like... Leo's our artist, you know, and so suddenly like the only uh, we found out he's like this one talent and it's painting. So the sun in cancer is like maybe moody and self-aware. They also tend to have a good sense of humor. But in the 12th house, this could relate to uh, him having a hidden agenda or him having mental anguish or him not really knowing what his like agenda or perspective always is. Maybe like it can be projected onto him. And he adopts it. And the Libra moon requires harmony in relationships, like less they need an inhaler. And his moon is conjunct Jupiter. So this is like truly what he needs. Like he cannot be. I bet he does not like conflict, which is wild because like. Yeah, <laughs> not the right job for yeah. you, pal. I mean, I will just be upfront and say that I believe he was Dick Cheney's puppet. Yes. You are not alone in that. <laughs> yeah, by the way, I have a. By the way, Dana has a really <laughs> unique take, you guys. <laughs> The hottest take. Um, So he's like amenable to other people's plans and like likely doesn't share all of his motivations because oftentimes that happens with uh, Libra placements, but also this like cancer son either has hidden agendas or like, I don't know, no agenda. And then like his Leo rising is him like doing cheerleading, like wanting, you know, attention, like wanting daddy to get you or like your brother to get you the election. And I'm projecting all these things onto him. I don't have any idea who he is because what he did is pretty sinister. So all this sounds a little cute. And then on 9-11, uh, the one transit that like, there's a lot going on, but like the one thing that I think we should for sure talk about is Neptune is exactly conjunct his descendant and the descendant is most frequently associated with like romantic partners and individual charts, but it can also relate to open enemies. And that's what it relates to in national charts. Um, wow. like for heads of state, this probably carries over a lot, I imagine. Um, and Neptune is the planet of deception. So he just has. He got deceived yeah. by his open enemy. And that is what happened. Literally just it all. It's kind of like getting blindsided. Neptune in Aquarius is like obscuring what the public needs. It's just like no one even knows what the public is. Right. It was a mess looking back. Definitely. So later that night, Bush arrives in D.C. and addresses the nation. And to his credit, his speech, he did not fuck up. I feel like he his speech, if you hear it, you're like, wow, this was the same man that says where wings take dream. <laughs> but basically, his speech lays out the future of U.S. foreign policy, which is basically like we're not going to distinguish between terrorists and the countries that they're in. So, you know, it was very like we don't fuck with you energy. Like it's us versus the world of terrorists, essentially. And so September 11th became a huge turning point for the United States. And people pretty much now refer to a lot of America's foreign policy and security measures as being before or after 9-11, just because the foreign policy um, and the security measure of the aftermaths and, and effects of 9-11 are just so sweeping and so different than they were before. Yeah. So now we're going to break down like, you know, some of the short term and long term effects of this state. So immediately after the attacks, the stock market was fucked. The towers, you have to remember, were the epicenter of the financial district in New York and basically of all America. Like this is where like all our money is going through. And because of the damage, trading stopped for four days. And when trading started again, the market fell a ton of points. So everyone was just like nervous laughing, like, ha, 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 oh, awesome. This and 
a terrorist attack, a collapse of a stock market. Like, well, let's we'll just go fuck ourselves. But another industry that took a huge hit was the airline industry. And, you know, not just in the immediate aftermath where tons of people were stranded because U.S. airspace was closed for a few days. When people started traveling on airplanes again, security was so tight, to say the least. Yeah, this is like no fly list blew up. Like so many more people than ever were restricted from flying. You know, the TSA was created, a.k.a. the Transportation Security Administration. We know all of them already. Um, which is hard to believe because I feel like we're used to it, but it never existed before 9-11. Which is so insane. Like my, you know, before before the attacks, like people didn't even need tickets to wander around an airport, which is so insane to I me. Know. Like you barely even had to check IDs. You didn't have to take off your shoes. You didn't have to get it through an x-ray. Like your checked baggage wasn't even scanned, which like. Yeah. And security was just like being maxed out everywhere, not just the airport. So right after the attacks, we have the Department of Homeland Security. It was created. That's the agency that prevents terror attacks, takes on border security, deals with immigration. They do some like disaster relief and protection. And then something else that was created after the attacks was a little known thing called the Patriot Act. And this was created with the intent to combat terrorism. And the Patriot Act, if you don't know, is very controversial. And a lot of human rights organizations do not think it's very legit because it all it did was really give domestic intelligence agencies like the FBI new ways to collect and share um, and investigate people's personal data with very little evidence or you could just really do it at any time. Yeah, because prior to this, there were all these laws that were in place to protect Americans from getting their shit searched unnecessarily, you know, privacy rights. But now because of this, all of that is gone. And it's all in the name of preventing terrorism and helping national security. So now the FBI or the NSA could eavesdrop on any of our calls or emails or texts. Um, if they thought we were onto some terrorist bullshit. That's interesting because I feel like the RICO Act, which was like tapping like basically like the mob, mm. happened after the Reagan's war on drugs. Oftentimes, presidents use war to gain sweeping powers. Wasn't the war on drugs like the first war against sort of like an abstract idea? Yes. And I think at least at least from what we remember, you know, because like most wars before that were very just literal wars. But anyway, um, the 9-11 Commission was also created shortly after the attacks to investigate what was up, how it happened, like how like what organizations in the U.S. were responsible for not stopping this. And they did release a report that named Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, a.k.a. KSM. They named him as the man that wanted to fly the planes into stuff. And then bin Laden sort of like hooked him up as the person like behind the attacks. And this all like ramps up to what we know as the war on terror. Um, Bush goes before Congress and is like, yo, blowing shit up in a controlled way as a one off and some country against people that we know like harassed us is cool. But what we really need to do is have a wide ranging military response against anyone we don't fuck with. So let's start with Afghanistan. And because all of the American people think of that like 10th house cancer moment from the 9-11 attacks, because we were all like amped up on American nationalism and like hurt feelings, everyone was like, 
hell yeah, let's go. And at like the American people were in support. Congress was in support. Our allies were cool with it. So everyone was just like, let us fuck some shit up in another country. Something that's interesting is that if you think of the war on terror happened right around. So the year before was the Great Conjunction in Taurus. And Taurus is all about security. So with such a like threat on security, you're like willing to give stuff away because you feel like you're going to be more secure if like these are the things like the measures that need to be done. Right. The war on drugs started uh, right after the Great Conjunction in Libra which is more of like ideas and relating to people. I just think that's pretty interesting um, and kind of not concerning, but like, okay, what's going to happen now that we have just like had the great conjunction? Hopefully it's an unfolding because the other two great conjunctions were both ruled by Venus. So they, and they also coincided with like a lot of redistribution of wealth. And now we have like this giant class crisis. So that's some foreground, but the war on terror started on September 20th, 2001 in DC and the sun was still in Virgo, but the moon had moved to Scorpio um, and it was there all day. And Scorpio is in America or is on America's 12th house. And this is the house of like under the table deals, hospitals, the sick people, homeless people, any business that is done by a handshake and not in writing, murder. Um, it's basically like the mafia house and then also the house of like healers. Um and so I'm like using this to affirm my belief that the war <laughs> was maybe started for less noble causes, but it tracks. Saturn in Gemini was opposite Pluto and Sagittarius, and this was also applying at the when the towers were hit. But Pluto is control and Sagittarius is like unlimited. So Saturn is also control, but it's minus the chaos. And in Gemini, it's telling you to like bite your tongue, limit your voice um, and like the ability to get down to like every detail is just not there. And the opposition is like being torn between wanting to be patriotic and like wave your flag and then also like having a cap on like what society can like believe is true because it, there's unreliable sources, perhaps. Congress like passed this or they uh, like approved of this war for 120 to 1, which like I can't even I don't know if there's ever been something that's been so sweepingly just like pushed through. Yeah, I'm interested in this chart a lot because, yeah, I agree. Like, you know, hindsight is always 2020. But I think looking back now, we know a lot of the moves that were made were more for financial gain in those areas than necessarily um, to combat terrorism. But I also think once again, like that Pluto and Sag is interesting because it's like you want all the power for your beliefs which like in this case it's like we're america we think we could go wherever the fuck we want and be controlling and powerful yeah so now because of this the first move is to go to afghanistan because that's where al-qaeda is but then a a little bit after we're like um you know also iraq is an issue and everybody kind of was like oh okay yeah sure and Bush was like, war on terror, you know? And we were like, oh, yeah, 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 war on terror. So then we went to Iraq, too. Oh, let's just go to all <laughs> the places. But back in Afghanistan, we were trying to get the Taliban out and kill bin Laden. Um, it didn't take us very long to get the Taliban out of operating power. But we still had to fight them because they were always, you know, messing around in neighboring countries. And then in 2011, we finally killed Osama bin Laden. And everyone was like, woo, forgot about him because it's been literally 10 years. <laughs> but there we go. We got him. And his death was seen as a very late but still a win for America. But that still didn't take away from the fact that Afghanistan became the longest running war in the history of our country. So much death and destruction has resulted from it, not to mention we blow trillions of dollars on it um and now 20 years later 
We're in this clusterfuck as we withdraw. Yes. And if you don't know what's happening in Afghanistan right now, um, definitely look that up because the results. <laughs> if you found our podcast, but you don't know what's going on in Afghanistan, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know. I really would hope so. But the results of America's decision to finally leave Afghanistan has been messy which is truly the understatement of the century. But let's sort of fast forward to today and find out like what the chart was like for the for the day that the U.S. decided to finally um, end this war. Okay, so Saturn is in Aquarius now um, and Pluto is in late degrees of Capricorn. So they're within they're under 20 degrees apart. But this is important because Saturn and Pluto were in Capricorn, um, co-present from 2018 through 2020. And then their conjunction perfected three times in 2020, beginning in January. So with cycles like this that are so infrequent, just because it wasn't exact on the day doesn't mean it's like not applying. Like the fact that actually it's like kind of like a late announcement because this is completing the story. If you remember when the war was announced, it was the opposition between Saturn um, in Gemini and Pluto in Sagittarius. And so now the nodes are there. So those are being triggered again. Um, um, by the eclipses, Pluto and Capricorn conjuncted. So they completed, they, w- they were halfway apart from each other, looking at each other, and that cycle is over. So it's time to leave. Like, we have to start fresh. Ideology aside, the astrology says we were going to go. Well, also, too, in addition, once again, like Saturn and Pluto, we've experienced it. We felt it. It really is like taking down these like huge, powerful structures. So the U.S. in Afghanistan was a huge structure and, you know, it involved like a lot of shit and they were the ones that had the control. So it's just kind of this pointing out of what's not working. And basically the choices were like leaving or having a forever war there. I think it's very interesting that like we, there's no way we would have fought a 20 year war if it like affected the daily lives of like citizens. And I feel like this was like one of the first physical wars that we were in that didn't have like huge ramifications on like our day-to-day life in the U.S. It was so far removed and it was just like this thing that like we kind of knew was happening. But I feel like that's sort of what allowed it to perpetuate for so long. There's no good way to start or end a war. But Dana, I feel like we need to end on one more um, fun Lindsay Lohan fact since this was a pretty heavy, heavy app. Do you guys remember a few years ago when she lost her finger? (laughs) What do you mean lost her finger? She was in a boating accident and her finger got cut off and then by the miracles of modern medicine they sewed it back on and she has her hand all together again she uses it to dance in Mykonos she uses it to type when she's selling her NFTs it's weird because this is an it's an incidence of life imitating art because her last um like major feature film was I know who killed me which I think Sarah you just recently watched right yeah, and her her hand does her finger does come off. In it. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Woo. That is anyway. That is enough about that. But you know, nine eleven obviously a very complex subject, and we tried to keep it top level here. Obviously, it still went on for a while, but because of that, we'll be dropping a bonus app to get a bit more into other key people we didn't met, like didn't mention, get a be- bit deeper into the charts. You know. Talk some shit, maybe talk about some conspiracies, talk about a person who faked being there. Anyway, next week, we're going to be talking about the biggest scandal to hit the Beverly Hills Housewives, which is the Erica and Tom Girardi legal drama. I'm so and because And because I am a terrible person, 
and do not watch Housewives, we need to bring on a very extra special guest who knows the Bravo universe much better than I. (laughs) So we'll leave you a hint. But uh, make sure to tune in so you can find out who it is. And please leave us a five-star review and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you listen on. Yep. If you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and DM us a screenshot of that review, we'll make you a custom meme of your big three and send you a write-up about it. Remember, follow us, Allegedly Astro, on Twitter, Allegedly Astrology. It's longer. On Instagram, Reddit, and Hey Hero. And also, this is new, but you could check out our site, allegedlyastrology.com, to learn more about us and book a reading with Dana. Yes, it's true. My books are finally open. If you want a birth chart, a sinistry chart, a predictive forecast, or just like to ask a quick question, I'm ready. Go check it out. There's more information there. Dana is ready, you guys. Ready and waiting. (laughs) She's ready and waiting. But in the meantime, I'm Elise. I'm Dana. And I'm Sarah. And this is Allegedly Astrology. Goodbye. (laughs) Ha 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 ha!